Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Jeremy Goodman. Could have been done like this at first. We can't go with the whys or why not or, or anything like that. But I'm thankful for what they have now. I'm thankful that my kids and my grandkids could be over, could be able to go up and look at it and read the inscription and ask questions about it. A couple dozen people gathered on Saturday behind Micro Center, the electronics store by the Brentwood Promenade. They were there to dedicate a memorial to Evans Howard Place. The neighborhood existed there for almost a century before residents were pushed out in the late 1990s by developers who replaced their homes with a cluster of big box stores, supermarkets, and lots of pavement. The memorial is just one way to answer questions about how best to remember St. Louis neighborhoods, many of them predominantly black, that urban renewal policies wiped from the map. Joining us in studio to talk about all this is Allison Reed. She's a former resident of Evans Howard Place who was involved in the effort to build a new memorial. And Beth Miller. She's a member of the Brentwood Historical Society and has studied and written about Evans Howard Place extensively. Allison and Beth, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Allison, so folks have called this neighborhood different things at different times. Howard Place, Howard Evans Place, Evans Place. What did you call it? And, uh, and when did you live there? I call it home. Um, it was actually called Howard Evans uh, Community, Howard Evans Place, Evans Place. Um, I lived there from 1963 until maybe 1980. Mm. What was life like there? Life was great. Um, we played outside with our friends. We went to church. We went to school. Um, we were in the house before the streetlights came on. Um, everybody knew everybody. And if you got in trouble at one place, you got in trouble when you got home. <laughs> so it was like a family community. Uh-huh. Um, we thought we had everything until you get older and you're like, wow. We didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phone, But we had each other. Um, and that's how we played. Hmm. Well, uh, Allison and Beth, you were both out there last weekend dedicating this memorial. Let's talk about the new one. What does it look like and what is it? It's a beautiful monument um, that we specifically designed to commemorate the Evans Howard Brick Factory that was there. It's what it, it's where Hanley Industrial Court is now. That's where the first residents of Howard Place came to work. Um, that brick factory burned down in 1968. So we wanted something to remember the brick factory and its presence and then its importance in the neighborhood. And then the center part has photographs of a couple of the churches, an aerial photograph of the neighborhood from the 50s, and I believe Loverture School. And then we um, collectively wrote uh, an inscription um, just talking about how important the people of that community were to the city of Brentwood as a whole. Hmm. 
Well, this memorial replaces an older one, which was a, a meager plaque that sat on a rock in mm-hmm. an out-of-the-way corner of the shopping mm-hmm. center until a few years ago. Um, Beth, tell us about the previous attempt to commemorate Evans Howard Place. Um, that boulder that is there, I call it a boulder, um, it's still there. The plaque fell off last summer, and um, people pass by it every day, and they have no idea what, what it commemorates. Um, it was done in good faith. I, I know that the people who put it there, the Board of Aldermen in the city at the time in 1998, when they put it there, they meant well. But um, as many residents of Howard Evans Place told me, they weren't a part of that process. And so when we got together a few years ago and started talking about a new monument, we said it is, it's our first priority to have the former residents a part of this process to build a monument. We want to know what they want, what they want to see, and how they best want to be remembered. Mm. Allison, were you, uh, so you weren't a part of the effort uh, back in 98 to put up a plaque. Did, was it something you even heard about, or what did you make of it at the time? I um, was not part of the planning, um, to be honest, and I hate to say it, but I didn't even realize it was there. Um, well, that's part of the story, I think. It was really small, and she calls it a border. I call it a rock. Um, it's a little gray rock. Um, and no, I didn't know it was there. I don't think a lot of people knew it was there. Um, not until we had a panel, and I drove down there, and I saw it. Um, it's on the end of the entrance coming into the promenade um, over by Total Wine. Um, and when I saw it, I was like, wow, really? And no, um, again, I agree with Beth, good faith. I, I do believe that they wanted to do something. But I think in doing it, other people should have been included. Mm. Particularly, particularly the people who live there. Correct. Who are the, the essence of this this whole thing. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's it's not clear how to, how to best commemorate a, a spot like this, a former neighborhood like Evans Howard Place. And it seems like folks agree the new display is a big improvement from what was there before, but it's still not perfect. After the dedication center, Gwen Pierce, who happens to be Allison's sister, was saying that uh, even the improved memorial did leave out a vital piece of the story. I appreciate this, but what about the people that lived in there? They don't have one picture of the people that lived there. This was a very close-knit family, from Rose to Agnes to Darlin to Grace to Withrow, all them streets. I was hoping to see the monument with people. Those buildings are, are nice, but they're buildings. They're not Evans Place. Allison, I know you named a lot of your former neighbors at that dedication, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But as you got involved in the effort to make this monument, what did you think was important? What did you want to be sure was included? Um, everything that's on that monument now is what I really wanted, with the exception of the picture on the right. Um, it has an overlook of Brentwood in general. Um, yes, we're in Brentwood. We lived in Brentwood. But that picture has nothing to do with Howard Evans. Mm. So I think on that picture, it could have been um, a picture of the Overture students, um, a picture of the Overture teachers or something like that. Um, would have been better um, accepted by the community. Mm. I think. Well, it is tough. I mean, 
wherever anyone lives, if you said to you know use seventy five words to sum up what your neighborhood where you grew up is all about, that's a hard thing to do, right? It is. And the, the, there is some mention of the brickyard and the churches and the community organizations, but it's also the the people who are there that that end up making it a neighborhood, isn't that right? Correct. But then again, you got to be fair because when you're talking about um, doing the monument and you're talking about putting pictures, somebody's going to get hurt. So what do you do? In my mind and my thinking, I would go with the Overture School only. Um, we had a lot of people in the neighborhood. Could everybody's picture go on that monument? No. Yeah. But could we have put something that really meant something that actually started right there at that brickyard? That's where it all started at. So I'm thinking it would have been good to put at least a picture of the school with the students um, in it, or either outside or either outside playing, sitting at the school, teachers teaching them. Um, can we go back and do what's done? You know, is it really worth it? You know, I'm thinking, yeah, people talk about it, um, but I don't, I don't know. I'm impressed. I am happy. Um, I'm thankful for the new monument. Mm. Um, and again, as I said, could have been done like this at first. We can't go with the whys or mm. why not or, or anything like that, but I'm thankful for what they have now. I'm thankful that my kids and my grandkids could be over, could be able to go up and look at it and read the inscription and ask questions about it. Mm. And well, let's talk about why we're in a position here to be erecting a monument to, to a neighborhood anyway. Um, Beth, let's talk about the history of the neighborhood. So going back at, and I know this is something you've looked into not as a resident, but as, a, as an interested neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. um, so this attracted, the neighborhood attracted a lot of African-Americans who moved north in the early 20th century during the Great Migration. Correct. What, what drew people to this particular spot? Um, as I said, the brickyard was there, and they were looking for any kind of labor. And um, at the time, they also built small homes there. That was the first part of the neighborhood. So the brickyard built very small, rather primitive homes, um, provided these homes to the workers. Um, th there were th many, many people who lived in these tiny homes with no electricity and no plumbing. And uh, when I think about that, I think, you know, their situation must have been so bad in the South where they came from to move up to St. Louis to work in a hot, dirty job at a brickyard and live in a hot little home with a lot of people. For, for that to attract them, their situation must have been pretty bad where they came from. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, St. Louis also had a lot of sort of burgeoning industry that was attracting a lot of laborers from, from the Deep South. So St. Louis was, was really kind of a hotbed for people moving up here. And as the neighborhood evolved, there were also there were waves of Italian American immigrants yes. that came to the area too. They also worked at the brickyard, yeah. and they lived on a different street. They lived on Rankin Avenue, um, that, which was kind of on the south end of where Howard Evans was. Um, Rankin Avenue is still there. There's some apartments there now, but um, yes. So there was a group of Italians, and um, some of those Italians were had um, these small homes, and they boarded workers there too. So. Um, the, you know, the the fathers, the heads of the households worked at the brickyard, and so did their young teenage sons. So mm. it was it was really the place to work. And then something big starts happening in this country in the 1950s, which is the establishment of the interstate highway system. 
Um, it becomes routed right through Brentwood. Was this neighborhood in the eyes of developers for some time? Yes, um, it actually was in the eyes of the State Highway Department first. Um, starting in the late 1970s, they wanted to put in some new interchanges, and um, the neighborhood fought that, and then they came back again and said uh, they wanted to run 170 all the way down to 44 and 55, which would have wiped out literally half of Brentwood. The whole east half of Brentwood would have been gone. Um, and the neighborhood fought that, and then there was another development that was proposed uh, when the Galleria was expanded in the late 80s, there was a development that was proposed for that corner, but mostly on the Brentwood Boulevard side that would have had an office building and a hotel, movie theater, shopping center, and the neighbors fought that again. And uh, so, yes, it, it had a big, uh, it's sort of ironic uh, that there's Target there now because essentially there was sort of a, a Target on that neighborhood the, the whole time for several decades. Allison, living there, what's your recollection of this period? Were you, was were neighbors aware that, did it feel like a place that was under threat? Um, as a child, no. As adults, I'm sure they probably thought it was. Um, I've heard of everything that Beth just mentioned. Um, and I guess being in my teenage years, I really thought nothing of it. You know, I'm thinking this is my home. They're not going to make that. They're not going to take it through. You know, and not only would they wipe Brentwood out, but they would have wiped some other neighborhoods out as well, like going toward Webster and all of that. So they would have wiped out quite a bit of um, neighborhoods. And to piggyback on Beth, yes, Target. <laughs> you know, you don't, you never look at it like that, but yeah. You, you see that Target a little, a yeah. little more clearly looking back. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, are you able to stay in touch with old friends and neighbors? Oh, yeah. So our home is, even growing up, everybody came to our home. We had parties, we had gatherings. Um, regardless of what your color was, everybody came to our home. Um, we were like the house that had all the parties, but not really all the parties. But um, we liked to cook, we liked to eat. So, yes. Um, I still communicate with quite a few of my high school friends and neighbors. Well, we do, we do need to take a quick break right now, but we will be back shortly to continue the conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Now back to our conversation with Allison Reed, former resident of Evans Howard Place, and with scholar Beth Miller. Beth, so you found out about the history of this neighborhood a, a few years ago and ended up giving a presentation in Brentwood back mm -hmm. in 2019 that mm -hmm. might have helped motivate people toward where we are now. T tell me about how that happened. Um, I actually wrote my master's thesis on the neighborhood um, in 2017 for uh, Washington University. And I, I came across uh, some photos of the neighborhood, and I had remembered it there because I lived close by there. And I remembered it, but, of course, I had forgotten about it. And when I saw those pictures, uh, uh, you know, sometimes people say they see a bolt of lightning, and I, I just had this feeling. I said, I want to know the story of that neighborhood. So I wrote my master's thesis on it um, 
finished in December of 2017, and in 2019 was uh, Brentwood's 100th anniversary. So Allison was on part of the committee to plan events for that whole year. And so in February of that year, um, we held a panel discussion uh, that I led with Allison and her mother, Elaine, um, Olivet Thompson, a former resident, and Ed Holt, who's, who was the uh, president of the Evans Howard Neighborhood Improvement Association. And Allison and her mother, Elaine, uh, called everyone from the neighborhood, and we filled uh, a large room at the Brentwood Community Center, and uh, it was it's, it felt like it was kind of a homecoming. Um, and then at the end of the panel, there was a group photo taken that I think was uh, very meaningful for the people who were there. Allison, when, when folks got together to dedicate the memorial to Evans Howard Place last weekend, you, you shouted out several of the families who used to be your neighbors. Let, let's listen to some of that. So this is my community. This is the community that I grew up in. Foreman, Ware, Jones, McClure, Foster, Crockett, Minor, Dukes, Mays, McNeil, Gray, Golden, Davis, Gripton, Smith, Strickland, Bean, Turners, Holtz, Taylors, Cole, Madane, Duffy, Fultons, Taltons, Gilberts, Travis, Clark, Freeman, Young, Crawford, Woodlock, Hamilton, Coleman, Wallace, Underwood, Sutter, Woods, Palm, Hurst, Watson, Johnson, Kelly, Candens, Richardson's, Allen, Conley, Hollins, Cooks, Rollins, Thompson, Carr, Rogers, Tonys, Abrams, Black, Boyd, Jenkins, Littles, Loves, Parm, Roberts, Mosley, Stewart, and of course, the Reeds. Everybody knew the Reeds. So I want to say thank you to my family, to my community for this. Does that spark? Sparks of memories? It does. It does. So yeah. when, when, when folks get together who used to live in this neighborhood, um, what, what is the mood like? Are you going over, you know, happy old times or is there some anger? Um, I don't think it's really anger. Um, a lot of times when we all get together, we pick it up as if we were just together yesterday, not as if it was years and years. It's just like, I just saw you yesterday, you know, what are we doing? You know, we talk about high school, we talk about good times, bad times. But um, I don't think it's really anger unless we're talking about the buyout. I don't think some of the people were happy with the way the buyout went. Um, we moved maybe a year or two before the buyout because it flooded down there all the time. So we moved from Rose Avenue to Bobolink. Um, so I know there was a lot of anger like that. But other than that, get-togethers, it's just enjoying ourselves. Well, have folks ex expressed the sense that they didn't really want to, to sell their homes but felt pressure to? Um, I think it was really no choice. Um, you grew up in a community, community um, no one wants to sell their home. No one wants to move out of the com community that they grew up in um, unless it's something that has to be done. And for many years, um, it was put off um, through with the highways trying to come through. But this last one was something that just had to be done. There was no stopping it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, doesn't really matter who's on what committee or who's in charge of what. This is something that was going to be done. Um, and it was okay and it happened. Mm -hmm. Well, there have been many 
specific policies that have made it difficult for predominantly black neighborhoods to thrive and continue, whether it be redlining, systemic disinvestment from neighborhoods, encouraging development uh, in areas uh, where the population is predominantly black. I think it's important, is it not, to remember that a lot of the people affected by this are still here. That is correct. I mean, this is not just a history. I mean, the history book is one thing, but this is living history. It, it is definitely that. It is definitely living history because a lot of the people that grew up in that neighborhood, um, a lot of people that had to move out, um, are still here. Um, I think um, a lot of people was like, you know, because of the buyout, some of the elderly people, you know, didn't make it a couple of years after they moved out. But there's a couple of families that when they moved from the neighborhood, they still stayed in Brentwood. So, so Brentwood is home to quite a few people that lived in the neighborhood, um, Howard Evans, but still loved Brentwood and stayed in Brentwood. Yeah. Well, there have been other efforts recently to memorialize black neighborhoods that are no longer standing. Adjacent to City Park, the new soccer stadium, St. Louis-based artist Damon Davis designed a monument to Mill Creek Valley. That was once a thriving uh, neighborhood right there. And, and importantly, Davis plans to extend that memorial to acknowledge several specific sites that were demolished in what is now downtown West and Midtown. Uh, this is Damon Davis speaking on our show about this earlier this year. But we also thinking about a few other things because uh, the legendary Negro League uh, baseball team, the St. Louis Stars, they they played right in front of um, Harris Stowe at that field. There was there, there were multiple venues like uh, the Booker T. Washington Theater. The the People's Financial Building was there. One of the first black institutions in St. Louis. Beth, it, is it important to really talk in specifics like this and to stay away from um, sort of general vague terms? I and mean, we're talking about specific neighborhoods where specific people lived, where businesses were open, where people worshipped and, and went to school. Um, how do, do the people sometimes get, get left out of this? Absolutely. Um, and, and that was the whole reason I started this project is because I wanted to know who the people were, what their lives were, what their life was like, because I didn't want the people to be forgotten. You know, we can all remember buildings. We can all remember Loverture School. We can all remember the churches that were there, but it was really the people who made that a community. Same thing happened in Meacham Park. Same thing happened in Kinlock. Uh, same thing happened just across the road in Richmond Heights, the Hadley Township. Um, What's that same thing? Um, that these neighborhoods, par part of these black neighborhoods were displaced mm -hmm. for retail development. Um, and think of all of the people who were displaced and where did they go? So I think um, the most important thing for us to remember is there were people who lived there. It's sacred ground to a lot of people. And Allison, you mentioned that some, some of your friends and neighbors moved elsewhere in Brentwood. Others found just entirely new places to go? Correct. Where, where, where did you land? Uh, Brentwood. You're in Brentwood? Yes, yes. Um, we stayed in Brentwood. Um, Crawford was in Brentwood. Um, for quite a while, up until maybe last year, but so stayed in Merwood. After this long history, I just wonder, how did it feel to be able to stand out there and, and dedicate the memorial? Oh, it felt awesome. <laughs> uh, from, I can only speak for me. I was blown away. Um, I actually saw the monument on an accident. Um, 
I was driving home one day, and I drove past, and for whatever reason, I looked to the left, and I was like, wow. So I turned around, and I went over, and I walked up, and I looked at it, and I was like, wow. So I get on the phone, and I start emailing the committee people. I'm like, hey, did you guys know this was done? Nobody knew it was done. You know, um, everybody was excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to look at it, you know, and I took pictures of it and sent it to my siblings because I have a couple that don't live here. And they was like, wow, that's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to just glance by the fact that I go there all the time. I mean, I go to Target, sure. I, I, I use that highway exchange. I go to the neighborhood. I do shopping there. Um, I don't, and I wasn't aware of that history. Uh, are you able to go, just go to the stores, go around town there? Is it is it difficult to return? Um, it's not difficult for me. Um, I go I go no matter what. Um, I, I'm probably going to go more now just so I can go and just look at it. Um, did I look at it when I first saw it? Yes. Did I admire it um, last Saturday? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go by. I have a six-year-old grandson, so I want him to go and look. Well, at the, m- the memorial? Correct. I want him to go and look at the uh, memorial. My six-year-old grandson loves Target. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so I want him to be able to go and look, see, this is a church that I went to. You know, this is a school that your mom went to. This is a school that your grandma went to, you know. So I want him to be able to really see it. And if I could say when we first got in touch with Beth, um, I was impressed. For one, she's like, if I didn't know about this neighborhood and I'm finding out about all this different stuff, my neighbors don't know. And I want to educate everybody. So I was definitely drawn in when she first came to us. Because here's this person that wants to tell about our neighborhood who had did the research awesomely and went and communicated with the elderly people that lived in the neighborhood, some that are no longer here. But Beth got to talk to all of those people and they filled her in on our neighborhood. Allison, so after um, the folks in Brentwood had that plaque process some years ago back in 98 without necessarily making a strong effort to find former residents. Did this process go a lot better? Did you feel like your concerns were included in this whole discussion? For me, yes. Um, There's always going to be somebody that's not happy with something. Um, I was included. I wasn't included on the pictures because, again, you can't please everybody when it comes to putting up pictures on the monument. But was I included on what type of monument? Yes. We had several different ones to look at. Um, I even sent them out to people in the neighborhood. And if you get back, fine. If you don't get back, fine, then don't be upset. And that's just my take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Information was sent out. If you don't respond when it comes to an event, you can't be mad. Mm -hmm. Beth, are you aware of other efforts going on right now to maybe um, remember places a little more appropriately, particularly neighborhoods that, that aren't with us? Um, I'm not aware of any others in the region. We have talked um, uh, among us as the Brentwood Historical Society of maybe placing some additional monuments throughout the town. You know, there was a streetcar that ran right through the middle of town. So we, we talked about maybe putting up a similar plaque where the streetcar was and, and maybe some other things. Um, that's sort of future work. Um, where I think we're sort of um, 
en- enjoying the enjoying the one that we have right now since it took us so long to get that done. Sure. But there's there's a lot of history that's been paved over around mm-hmm. St. Louis, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Allison Reed and Beth Miller, it's been a pleasure talking about this. And thanks for your work with that memorial. Thank thanks you. for having us. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.